Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. If Kyle Busch survived the playoff opener in Las Vegas, he thrived last Saturday night at Richmond. The win not only granted Busch access into the next round of the postseason, but he reached a special milestone in the process. 50 Cup Series victories for Kyle Busch. Welcome into NASCAR America. Carol Amano, Parker Kligerman, and Landon Castle with you. We have a full table. You've been sending us your questions on social media using the hashtag NASCAR America. Keep sending them our way. We're going to answer them in just a little bit. But let's start the show by going back to Saturday night under the lights at Richmond. Last week was chaos. 12 of the 16 playoff drivers had issues. So this race becomes vital. Fans on their feet, racing in Richmond, short track style. Oh, contact with the 11. Sideways goes Denny Hamlin, he keeps it straight. And Martrex Jr. will sweep the stages. He wins stage number two. And we're hearing an uncontrolled tire. Big penalty for the dominant car here at Richmond. From 39th to the lead for Kyle Busch. This is too much pressure. You don't want it this close, especially Kyle Busch. Got him right there from that pit Could not hold him off. Kyle Busch is going to sweep the Richmond races. So three drivers have already moved on to the round of 12. Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski on wins. Martin Truex Jr. on points. Kevin Harvick is a virtual lock right now. They will not have to worry about elimination Sunday at the Charlotte Roval. Rutledge Wood asked Kyle Busch about that and more during Saturday's burnout interview. Man, that, that battle there at the end, congratulations. Yeah, that was... Uh... Too close for my comfort. I thought we were a little bit better than that on the long run. I know Harvick, that's kind of his specialty, but we had a really, really good race car tonight. The M&M's Camry was awesome. Uh, guys did a great job coming back from uh, a dismal qualifying effort uh, and preparing a really, really good race car for us here tonight. And uh, being able to start dead last, come up through the field and win this thing. That's right, Rowdy Nation. All for you, baby. Well, it's huge. Not only that run, but this also means that next weekend the pressure is is way off for you for that robo everybody's talking about. Were you keeping that in mind when you were battling with Brad there, thinking how important next week is? Uh, actually, no. I never thought of it once. I just wanted to go out there and, uh, and win this thing. Win this thing for M&Ms, win this thing for my team, Toyota. Everybody at Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, obviously, it's um, a whole team effort. And uh, I put us a little bit behind yesterday in qualifying and the guys did a great job rallying and being able to put it together and uh, getting us a really fast race car for tonight so um, appreciate you guys everybody at Richmond thanks for coming out awesome racetrack love coming here hey I finally won a fall race in Richmond what do you know And at 33 years old, Kyle Busch became the 13th driver in Cup Series history to reach the 50-win mark. He is also the fourth youngest to reach that plateau. Only Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon, Richard Petty, and Ned Jarrett were younger at the time of their 50th victory. Uh, Parker, what comes to mind? How would you describe this particular win for Kyle Busch? 
Well, I think in a lot of ways this turned around their season, what we've seen over the last couple races. You know, they've had a – for them, I, I must justify this a little bit, there was a slip in performance for the 18 car. And we look at it here, starting at Darlington, you see zero laps led, average running position of 8.8, .8, gets worse in Indianapolis and even worse at Vegas. And actually talking to Adam Stevens at Vegas after Darlington, Indianapolis, he said, you know, Darlington was a track that we just never really run well at. I wasn't worried about that. He said, Indianapolis, we obviously had no practice. There were some things wrong with the car that we couldn't change in the race or make up for but I think Vegas was one that really stuck out where they started to worry a little bit and say, okay, where was our performance there? And so when we went into Richmond, the question was, can the 18 team really turn this around? And I felt like they could, Landon, because in so many ways, even if there's a deficiency in equipment, if they're losing speed to the rest of the field, Kyle Busch can make up for that at a place like Richmond. This is what he does so well, a flat, short track like this. The tire wear, you saw him come from the back to the front because that is what Kyle Busch does so well. He is that talented at taking a car at a place he can make a difference. He, I think that's the big part. He didn't have a slump. I mean, this is yeah, his no, seventh, it's not a slump, seventh win of the year. I mean, we I, had to, I, I had to say is that it was a slight dip performance for that team compared to what they were doing. For, for a month period. Do you, yeah. I, I'm interested, do you think that it was the equipment that stepped up or was it Kyle Busch? It seems like Richmond is a good venue for Kyle Busch. I just think that's Kyle. I, I think yeah. he makes up for so much there at that particular racetrack, that type of racetrack, that type of race, having long green flag runs where he can really be the difference in how he treats the tires over the course yeah. of the run, having to pass as many cars in traffic. I think he made up that Kyle, Kyle's always amazed me as a driver who is so aggressive at times, and he, you know, he's really good on restarts, but he has such a great finesse with the throttle and the brake, and that's what it takes at Richmond no to doubt. be consistent, especially with lo the long runs that we saw. Definitely. I think that was what we saw of this team, and so that's why this is significant, aside from the 50 wins, which is incredible. And I actually saw some people uh, that were remarking about how we're basically watching one of the all-time greats in real time right now. And we're getting that opportunity. Really? So that's incredible. And I, I feel like a, a broken record on this show sometimes now over the last couple of years talking about Kyle Busch in this fashion. But it's just true. There's things he does in a race car that are truly spectacular. I think it does bear repeating the talent that he brings to the game right now. And that's not taking away from any of the other competitors and contenders as much as it is just continuing to praise him for what he's been able to accomplish thus far at 33 years old. Yeah, and that talent isn't just the ability to stand on the gas. I mean, I think that Kyle Larson kind of bears this courageous talent of someone that just can stand on the gas um, when nobody else can. And Kyle, he has the ability to, to have the finesse when he needs to and, and be good on road courses and be good on tracks with tire fall off, but then obviously can hang it out there at the tracks where you got to stand on it too. And I like, you, you had one little comment though off his, his burnout interview where he, he said that was too close for comfort for me. He's never, never satisfied. Yeah. Never satisfied. Even when you win, he's not satisfied. Okay, so here's a guy who was on a downtrend, right, the yeah. last three weeks in his average running position, and then he breaks out with a win. You would think he's just happy with a win. He doesn't even realize he was on a downtrend. He's <laughs> like, I wanted to lap the field. Perfectly. I'm mad that they were. Yeah, I'm glad they even got yeah. close to him. That's, that's textbook Kyle Busch. Perfectly yeah. evidenced by his crew chief saying in our post-race show that they're going to have to try to back him down off the robo because he's going to yeah. want to win that one as well. Yeah, exactly. He is, um, thoroughly always wants to win and can always do better in his mind, I guess. His good friend Brad Kozlowski was on on a win streak there <laughs> until he took it away from him. Uh, Kyle Busch ending that three-race streak for Brad. Here is what Kislowski and some other members of the Big Three had to say after the race. Ran up front all day and a lot to be proud of. Uh, didn't catch the breaks we've been catching the last few weeks, but still ran well, so I'm proud of that. But uh, still need to find some speed to, to win a race honest. This was kind of an honest race where the last three haven't been so much. and We just didn't really have a, an opportunity to take advantage of anything, but uh, we tried and Paul and the team did a uh, did a great job, and uh, we'll keep working to try to get better. Well, I mean, any other round in the playoffs, I would say it didn't matter. We just needed to try to win. But I'm I'm 
terrified of next week, uh, to tell you the truth, just because there's just so many unknowns. A good night. Wanted to win, but, you know, I think this has probably been one of our worst racetracks, and, and we're able to, to have a good night. Man, I don't know what we got to do to win this race. We've led, uh, we've probably led more than anyone here ever that's not wanted. It's just, it's crazy, but it uh, wasn't meant to be tonight. Um, hell of an effort by the guys, and a good recovery, good recovery by the guys in pit road. Just keep digging, we're moving on, so that's really the name of the game, and uh, hopefully we get the win when we really, really need it. Given your situation now moving ahead to the Roval, what is that race going to be like for you? Yippee! Here we go! <laughs> you know, just uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, you, I feel really bad for the guys that are going to go in there and have to do something. I mean, I think everybody's scared to death of that place. So uh, we're going to go have some fun and uh, see if we can't get some points. So Landon Brakislavski saying this was a good, honest race Saturday night at Richmond. What do you take that to mean? I, I took that as uh, it was a race where there were no cautions, long green flag runs. So you didn't have a lot of confusion of pit strategy and restarts where people can jam in the middle of it, cause damage, um, get themselves out of position. It's an honest race to see how good their performance is. And that two team is a team that struggled early in the season. They probably haven't felt like they had the speed, but they definitely did on Saturday night, at least on the short runs, um, which is something that I think could be valuable if they continue to show that speed as the season goes on. But at the end of the day, I think the with long green flag runs, having an honest race with no cautions, basically, the cream did rise to the top. We've been talking about the big three all season long, and look who finished one, two, three. Um, you know, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex. No doubt, and I think, you know, when you look at, if we were to take down, if we were to talk about a couple drivers in a row, you know, one I want to focus on would be Martin Truex Jr. there. I think that team, you know, what he said, what do we have to do to win a race here at Richmond? They were incredibly fast, and the only thing, though, for him, I feel like he probably could have had a second chance to win that race, aside from how fast he was at the beginning, uh, was that when they ended up having to come back to the field, I didn't feel like they got to the field quick enough, right? I just felt like he, he was so much faster up front than what I saw as he was coming to the field, that basically, as you see the uncontrolled tire here obviously the tire changer that realizes and goes oh no and then has to run back around they got the penalty anyway when he was coming back to the field though I just don't feel like it was quick enough compared to what we saw at the 18 and therefore when that late caution came out with the 96 he wasn't close enough to the front to really give another chance to win you know and I think he had the speed in that car to do it so that was kind of a race to me in a lot of respects for the 78 that just got away from them in in, in two respects aside from the penalty uh, as for Brad Kozlowski I know I've been touting the two car for months now and said this is the fourth best car in the series and then they made me look really smart where he went and won three in a row and I didn't really foresee that happening but I think as you said it was an honest race where we really got to assess the two car speed and I, I believed going into this race, we would not see the speed out of the two car that we saw. I just did not foresee that happening. When you look how they won those last two races, it was using strategy, gaining track position or stealing track position. And then when they were put there, Brad nailed it. He never let anyone, any of that get away and he rose to the opportunity. What we saw the other night was the two car was legitimately a top five car and in a lot of respects, legitimately a fast lead car for 30 for laps. 30 laps. Yep. That was impressive to me. Very impressive. If he's good on the short run at Richmond, does that translate to other tracks? I think it can. I mean, I think that the car, NASCAR racing as of late, um, if you have a good car, if your team's preparing good cars, it's not just a sh good short track car. It's not just a good intermediate car. That seems to be translating everywhere. And that's why we have the big three that is dominating at all these racetracks. So if the two team didn't just have a fluke night where they were a top three car on 30 lap runs, if that is something that they found, we will see that at Kansas. We'll see that at Texas. We'll see that at Phoenix. And if Brad makes it to Homestead, we'll see it at Homestead where 
I'm going to bet on a guy that's good on 30 lap runs because, I mean, how many late race restarts have we seen to go for the championship at yeah. Homestead? So uh, I, I could see Brad having a lot of confidence going into a championship race if he's good on short runs. That's a great point, and I think that's you know something that that team has to feel very optimistic about because of that short run speed. If we're to talk about two other drivers, one that kind of the race – Went the opposite way for him. I would say the 88 of Alex Bowman. That was a race where he really ran well the first two stages. I think he finished eighth and sixth in the first two stages. And then something happened at the end. And then he ended up 12th and was outside the top 10 and really struggled to even be in the top 15 there. That was a missed opportunity for the 88, considering that he felt like that was the worst racetrack. He'd said that to Marty Snyder for the company earlier in the spring. He finished 18th. Yes, it was better, but for how good they ran in those first two stages, that race just got away from him. Uh, and then the one that we got to give a shout-out to, though, who really turned his day around in an impressive way was Clint Boyer. I mean, that was, an, yep. at one point of the race, I believe in the first stage, he was running outside the top 20, and legitimately running outside the top 20, as Brad said, and in an honest race, they just did not have the speed, but then comes home to finish in the top 10 in 10th. That was a salvage day out of the 14 car. Really impressive. Which is a product of long green flag runs at a track with lots of tire fall off that creates these comers and goers. Um, you're taking green flag pit stops, adjusting on your car in these pit stops, Kind of short, um, short pitting at times to make up uh, time against the guys you're racing, but um, Richmond is just a place that you can you can kind of finesse your way around, and with the tire fall off, you can come and go like we see. It was a big comeback because that could have been a very detrimental day to come. And it does lead us to our NASCAR America poll question of the day. It's up right Ooh. now at NBCSports.com/NASCARVote. Yeah, so the question: Which bottom four playoff driver is going to make the round of 12? We have a split decision. Uh, among our analysts about this. <laughs> Five choices on the table for you. Clint, who we just mentioned, Jimmy Johnson, of course, going for an eighth title. Eric Jones, end of the regular season with a little bit of momentum, but in trouble. Denny Hamlin must win uh, this weekend, or none of them at all. You can go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. Also use the hashtag NASCAR to tell us why you feel the way you do if you want, and we'll look at those questions later on. Also coming up, we're going to take a closer look at those Cup Series bubble drivers who are racing for their seasons next weekend. We also revisit Friday's Xfinity Series race at Richmond, a successful return for Dale Jr. and a very big win for Christopher Bell to start the playoffs. What will that mean moving forward in the Xfinity Series? More ahead on NASCAR America. Stay with us. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. On Sunday at the Tour Championship, Justin Rose captured the FedEx Cup title and the $10 million bonus, but this was the big story. Tiger Woods earning his first victory in five years by shooting 11 under par for the tournament. It was Tiger's 80th career win on the PGA Tour, a surreal scene on 18. And no rest now for Woods or Rose. Paris setting the stage for this historic rivalry. USA defends on foreign soil and Europe wants to reclaim it in Paris. All is fair in love and golf. The Ryder Cup Friday through Sunday on Golf Channel and NBC. Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s love affair with racing on full display during Friday's Xfinity Series race. Jr. making a one-off return and he certainly made the most of it. Lap 124 passing Christopher Bell for the lead. Jr. led 96 laps before finishing in fourth in the end though Parker Christopher Bell would come out on top with 14 to go passing Matt Tiftier for the lead. And this is where Jr. started to lose 
the race, and then eventually Christopher Bell would go on to win it. An impressive win. Kind of out of nowhere there, considering that Jalen Hurt Jr. did kind of have this race commanded at times. Yeah, absolutely. But Christopher Bell moving on to the round of eight with his fifth victory of the season. Daniel Hemrick second on the leaderboard at 27 points above the cut line. Only 35 points separating the 11 playoff drivers who have yet to secure a spot in the next round with the Roval coming up next. But the big takeaway here, outside from how fun it was to watch Jr. get back in the race car, Bell striking first in this battle with Justin Allgaier. And if you look at the numbers, Landon, these two drivers, very similar here. It feels like a heavyweight bout. Yeah, with, the, with Justin having a little bit of a favorable stat on his in his column. I, I think he's had a career season. I mean, you mentioned talking to Jason Burdett and just being beside themselves on their performance. I, I think Justin's on his game right now. And looking at Homestead in that race that you got to win the championship at, I know he's got to get there, but, man, that's as good a place as any, anywhere for him. And I think what's been so impressive, you said, about Justin Algar this year is that it's been a career year, and for so many years we've seen him be a part of the Xfinity Series and be good for one or two wins a year, but to go out there and get five wins, five runner finishes, mm-hmm. top or if five to, uh, 15 top five finishes, easy for me to say, laps led 612 and a 1.7 average finish on the road courses we had in the Roval, it has been an incredible year for him and then for Chris Rebell I mean at the end of the day we all felt like going this season I believe within the sport that Chris Rebell was going to show the talent level that he has we'd seen it in trucks but in the Xfinity series we were waiting to see him go up there and see if he would command for a championship and now we've seen it and I think so many people had him as their favorite to win this championship this year but Justin Algar being more the veteran said no way man you're not coming in this series and just going to show up and win our championship. And so we see an awesome battle between two drivers at different stages of their career and putting on a great show. And I just think it's been so much fun to watch. What did you make of Daniel Hemrick's performance? So Daniel Hemrick, as we had the joke, is uh, <laughs> he's a he's a Mr. Stage winner guy. Stage winner. If they had if they had out wins at stage wins at stage yeah. wins, he'd be yeah, you know five. multiple winners. So five of them, right? Five, five yeah. stage wins. Yeah. I think the the thing for Daniel Hemrick has been he's so close to that elusive first victory. We've seen it week in and week out. He had a little bit of a lull there as they headed into the playoffs, but now they've turned up the wick again as we saw him go on to win stage one. He was very fast, finished third in this race, and I just think once they get that first win on this twenty one team once they finally convince themselves and prove themselves that they can win a race the waterfall will open here and I think that they will become the surprise contender to that 20 and the 7 as we head towards Homestead Miami and maybe surprise a lot of people in going out to win that championship he was very fast in that championship four race last year until they had an issue do you think Dale Earnhardt Jr. surprised himself a little bit with the way that he went out there? the expectations I, mean, I think going in were to have fun yeah have yeah. fun and, and yeah. smile well, and we smile should, we should know better than that with he, a race car driver he's been he's known he was going to do this race for a long time so I'm sure that they they spent a lot of time on his car back at the shop to get the boss a fast piece Dale did a fantastic <laughs> job and Richmond's a great track for him he does a great job there but they did they did kind of eat his lunch a little bit on those last couple restarts yeah. I think I'm gonna have to call him on that one <laughs> no he, he did fantastic and, and, I mean I was impressed right at the beginning when he went up there and was and was fighting for the lead and eventually took it and, and I, I just couldn't believe for a guy that's been out of the saddle for a while you know to just jump in and be that fast at a place with the tire yep. fall off that it has and such up against a field that we've seen of Justin Algar and Chris Rebell who are winning races left and right throughout the season. I thought it was a really impressive run and I think that as he said at the end in the interview afterwards that he almost uh, ruined his expectations because suddenly yeah. he was like wait I can win this <laughs> I race. I can do this somewhere else. I, gotta, I, gotta I, gotta ra- I wanna race more. <laughs> yeah. I, well, here's, a, here's the biggest reason why I'm impressed with how Dale ran at Richmond. Richmond is such a slick racetrack that it's hard to even feel the car. So you can't just use your, I don't feel like you can use your natural driver instinct 
instincts because you're not getting a lot of feedback in the seat and in the wheel because the car is just sliding around. You just kind of have to use your knowledge of knowing how far sideways or how much throttle you can use. So for Dale to sit out for almost for an entire year and not really be well trained on the feel of a race car um, at a place like Richmond and be right up to speed, it just shows you that that's like riding a bike or whatever yeah, they say. Exactly. I was looking for some kind of pithy Hellman's pun because you yeah. said his lunch got eaten uh, yeah, in the final stage. Well. Oh, they ate his banana mayonnaise. Just not come to me in time. Hey, um, by the way, though, junior fans out there, he does have a new book coming out on October so 16th. Yeah. yeah, that we've all heard about it. It's called Racing to the Finish, My Story. Right now, NBCSports.com has an exclusive preview with Junior actually narrating a chapter from the book. And the excerpt touches on his struggles with concussions and also his determination to really share his experience in that arena so that others won't suffer in silence moving forward. That's important. Um, again, listen to the sneak preview, NBCSports.com. We're really looking forward to the book coming out. Coming up, we are going to examine the drivers who occupy the spots below the Cup Series cut line as we head to the Roval. Can these racers overcome their deficits to keep their title hopes alive? Will Jimmy Johnson survive? Our analysts disagree on that topic. Debate coming your way next. Stay with us. For four title contenders, the race to Miami is going to end right here. The all-new Charlotte Roval making the first cut in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Sunday, 2 Eastern, over on NBC is where you need to be. And with the Roval being the cutoff race of the first round, go to NBCSports.com right now. Let us know which bottom four playoff driver you think is actually going to advance to the round of 12. Clint Boyer, Jimmy Johnson, Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin, none of them at all. We'll give you the final results a little later on. Meantime, take a look at the bottom four on the playoff leaderboard. Denny Hamlin has the largest deficit to overcome at Charlotte this weekend, 29 points below the cutoff line. He finished 16th at Richmond after a 32nd place showing at Las Vegas. So the strategy here, pretty simple. After the race, Hamlin predicted what he needed to do with the Roval. He just said, I probably need to go out there and win. I'm not worried about the playoffs. I'm just worried about running better with our teammate winning and us running like a bag of basically garbage <laughs> it's just disappointing every week these comments are are interesting is he resigned to the fact Parker that the playoffs just may be completely out of sight for them with the exception of a win and that they need to focus on what's going on with their team overall no doubt and I think the situation for the 11 is slightly perplexing because going into the Richmond weekend I had the question of are we going to see the 11 team that we saw in Indianapolis who went up there and led laps and was in contention to win this race and looked great, had the speed we've seen out of them where they were able to win polls earlier this season. And they executed, which they've been saying all season to me, is that we have the speed, we just have been able to execute. They did all those things in Indy. But then we went to Vegas, and suddenly it was like the 11 team of old, or we see every now and then, which was they were not very fast, they were outside the top 15, and he spun out by himself and admittedly said, I was trying to make the cars do stuff they didn't want to do, basically. He was trying to get more out of the car than it had. So going into Richmond, I wondered, which one of those are we going to get? We got Vegas, is what we got out of the 11 team. And that's why they're so perplexing, and that's why they find themselves in the position they are. And because of that, Landon, I'm knocking him out. He's not making it. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm going to knock Denny out, too. I mean, I don't know if I want to blame it on the 11 team or Denny, but... Denny Hamlin doesn't run 16th at Richmond very often. So they, they've definitely had struggles. And you can't come off of a low confidence like that into this new racetrack. And I'm also going to knock out Eric Jones. I think he's just lost too much momentum since the start of the playoffs. And this Roval is going to be such an unknown. I, he, 
it's a must win, not going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on Eric Jones. I'm knocking him out. I love the speed he brought into Vegas. They were so impressive, all the way up until that point where he ends up in a wreck in the race, right? But he was very impressive there. At Richmond, they looked solid at points, but you can't have the mistakes that they had on pit road and hope to recover from that when you're already on the back step. So I think for that sake, Eric Jones, great job making the playoffs. You're out of here, Africa. You have to, you have to wonder, Landon, why these mixed fortunes at JGR. You look at you know the organization as a whole, and I know we hate to mention this whole teammate dynamic in the playoffs because of course that doesn't exist. But it is strange that you have such high-ranking success on one end, and then drivers like Denny Hamlin on the other just can't put it together for some reason. I, I can tell you, and I, I will humbly admit that I think it gets in your head when your teammate is outrunning you. I mean, especially on a consistent basis. Um, Kyle Busch is. Been, is light years ahead of his teammates and that's they can maybe get to him every once in a while if they just hit their stuff right but I, I think over time it can definitely get in your head and that's how you have a Denny Hamlin go and run you know 10th to 15th at a place like Richmond where he expects to win both of those races every year and I think confidence is such an important thing for a race car driver and that goes to the race team as well that you have if your driver is not as confident right. or doesn't like this current rule spec or whatever it is and is not they feel like down on it they get yes. down on it then they they second guess themselves and remember everything in a race car is happening at fractions of a second right it's happening so quickly so for a fraction of a second you second guess yourself mm -hmm. that's the difference between running 15th not, or being first it's not just the ability to drive the car fast but if if they're down on confidence it affects their feedback yep. to the team about what the car is doing which can lead the team down uh, an endless path of something that's not going to solve the speed of the car and then a terrible exactly. performance right out of the gate in the playoffs probably doesn't set the tone for doesn't being help. able to figure out all those pieces uh, another driver below the cut line the seven-time champ you can see jimmy johnson was asked about his chances to advance after the race this weekend so you head to the Roval now, six points below the cutoff line. What will you be thinking about between now and then? Crash all those guys in front of me. Is that a good option? <laughs> I, I think surviving is just the biggest thing. We'll, we'll just go there and give 100% and do what we can. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's been one of those years, but we're, we're going to go down and swing into the bitter end. So the question of the day, is Jimmy Johnson survive in the first round? Yes. No. No, you haven't. No, I haven't. No. Yes. He's in. And I'm, all right, hold on. He's in. I'm going to tell you why. Right. I, I got the button first. You, I let you get I'm going to go first, and you can tell me why you don't think so. But I'm going to say this. Look, all right, we go into the playoffs this year, and the 48 team, as I talked to them going to Vegas, did not feel very optimistic about their speed, did not feel optimistic about their situation. Yet, we get into the Vegas race, and I saw the magic that is the 48 and things I've seen them do before, where suddenly a car that was not probably at any point in practice showing any sort of top 20 speed or top 15 is in the top five and looks is clicking off lap times that are fast enough to win that race at Vegas. And I thought, wow, here they go. Here, they're going to do it again. They're going to show up. The pressure's on and just click, flip a switch, and the 48 is here. We go. He did not get the finish out of that, but we go to Richmond. They have a solid night, finishes eighth. I saw everything I need to know out of that 48 car. They kept even at six points back. They're going to go to the Roval with very few expectations and do what they do best, and that is especially with that driver who has ice running through his veins, loves the pressure. They're going to go and succeed and make it into the round of 12. I think he might have just sold me. I, 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 I really, hear a lot I of explaining. I'm just, just saying, me. let me sway the pole. I know it's already moved. You're all on my side, America. I get it. I, I hear a lot of explaining. The floor is yours. If, if you're explaining, you're losing, Parker. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. It, it, pay, it breaks my heart to bet against Jimmy Johnson. I'm, the, I'm a big Jimmy Johnson fan. I hope he makes it to Homestead and wins a championship. I love that team. I worked with them. They're great. But Jimmy is, I feel like, is a creature of habit, and he does really well, and that team does really well when they can continue at these racetracks that they have a great database and they have good notes, and he's, he's a type of guy that works well off of repetition. And I don't, I don't see him going to this new track at the Roval and setting the world on fire. And I think that he doesn't have to set the world on fire necessarily, but he has to have a really good run um, to, to really put himself through. And I just I don't know if I see that happening with the 48 team. I'm out on Jimmy Johnson. I'm betting against him. There's no way. I've, I'm definitely going to win this. This is, this is a guarantee. I almost guarantee he will make it through. And I know because... I'm just telling you, and I, I know this isn't a quantifiable thing, but there's an X factor in that 48 car, in that team. <laughs> and they do things in the playoffs for whatever reason that are they different. Definitely can they step find it up. something every time. They can find, and I they saw definitely it can step in these it up. first two races. But this, that's the, I guess this is the hard thing for me to quantify, too, and we're both just it's explaining just, our yeah, own opinions. We're basically our opinions, <laughs> but we're so serious about it. But, but this is such a new environment for them. It's a new environment for everybody, but they just don't have that database to back, uh-huh. back it up on. And I think that's where they really succeed. So... Um, it's a classic right. tale of head versus heart. It's a classic it. tale of Monday head we'll, uh, we'll versus heart. Um, coming up, we are going to examine some drivers currently north of the cut line. An easier discussion, I think, for these two, including which driver has surprised through the final two races and who actually might be in real trouble here above the cut line. That's when we come back. Stay with us. Sweep the Richmond races. Hell yeah. Richmond sweep, boys. That's the way you do it right there. Appreciate a great car. Good work. TJ Ford, Jackman. Uh, it's such a great night tonight. It's good to be back in victory lane uh, for the seventh win this year. Kyle did an amazing job in the, tra- in the car tonight. And, you know, there's just no quit in this team. Everybody gives it 110%. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to everybody back at the shop that's working really hard. And, and let's keep it going. TJ Ford and the 18 crew played their roles perfectly in helping Kyle Busch get the win Saturday night at Richmond and reach a new plateau, 50 Monster Energy Cup Series victories. And that accomplishment was not lost on Busch's crew chief, Adam Stevens. You know, I've said all along, I don't take it lightly that uh, I'm a part of his legacy. And I know the guys on my team don't either. You know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame and he's going to have a prominent place in the history of this sport. And to be associated with them and to have some of that on your shoulders is something I'll never take lightly. Great interview from Adam Stevens in our post-race coverage. So Kyle Busch joined Brad Keselowski as race winners in the round of 16. Both drivers safely through to the next round, as is Martin Truex Jr., who has secured his spot on points. That leaves nine spots up for grabs. Kevin Harvick virtually a lock. Eric Amarola, Chase Elliott had big nights as well, points-wise at Richmond. Austin Dillon, who, like Elliott, is 10 points above the cut line. Dillon, however, only able to add one point to his advantage with his sixth-place run at Richmond. He spoke about his chances of moving forward after the race. I really do think if we get to the next round, we're, we're competitive. Um, you know, our cars have been better the later in this year that we've gone. We've worked hard on our Camaro Z01, like I said, and it's been fun, and, and we just want to keep it going. So um, we're working hard right now. The push is on. It's a grind. Next week is definitely going to be a grind. So, Landon, with Austin Dillon, how uncomfortable do you think he needs to be at the Roval? 
I don't want him to be uncomfortable at all. I mean, I think that the biggest thing that that team has accomplished in the last two weeks is they've, they've put themselves in a position where they don't need to race outside their comfort zone at the Roval. Um, one thing that Austin is really good at doing is taking care of equipment and not racing over his head. And now that he has a 10-point cushion, even though that's not a huge cushion, I think that's something where he can focus on having – you know, even if it's 15th to 20th place speed at the Roval that puts him in an attrition position to finish 10th to 15th, I think that he's going to be safe to move on through to the next round. And that is something that Austin is really good at doing is taking care of his equipment and not going overboard with it. And they're in a position to take advantage of that opportunity. So you're keeping him in? I'm keeping Austin. So you're keeping him in. All right. Well, I agree with everything you had to say. I think this was a very impressive first two races. We're getting along. We're, yeah, we're now. starting to After get along. Break, yes. Jimmy tried Absolutely. to tear us apart. Austin's putting us back yep, together. Yes. Uh, I think it was an impressive run from both races because it was two days where I don't think that, or I think in a lot of ways, this three team was surprising themselves. I think that they felt like coming to the playoffs, you just had not seen the speed out of them all year. We saw one good race at a downforce track, Michigan, where they got a top five. But other than that, it really was hit or miss, or a lot of times miss for this three team. So when they came into the playoffs, though, they said, you know, we are very optimistic because of our driver he loves playoff he loves the pressure he's very clutch the way he won championships in the trucks in the Xfinity series was under immense pressure and therefore once they got in they said you know our best tool is going to be our driver and sure enough he went out there in those first two races and put in very solid days with no mistakes and put themselves in positions you said to feel like they don't have to do anything spectacular right. this weekend he's there's no pressure to, to pull it. anything on yeah you've got this you got this crazy chicane on the back stretch and you've got a chicane before the start finish line and yep. there's gonna be a lot of aggression a lot of unknowns and and this is one guy that's just not going to have to force it all day long. He just needs to take care of his we'll car. We'll get into the specifics of the Roval in the next segment of the show because there's a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about it all week here on NASCAR. And a lot more tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, completely yes. full breakdown um, of the track in case you're interested. But to the flip side of the pressure, you look at Ryan Blaney. He lost 16 points at Richmond. How much trouble is he in? I'm worried for the 12 car. And I, in a couple respects, you know, the, this past weekend at Richmond, I actually felt like when you looked at practice and some of the things they were pulling out speed wise, this was going to be a solid night for the 12 car. They got caught on pit road under that caution when the 96 spun out, which put them two outs down. It really hurt them. But, you know, they weren't a very fast car there, but they were doing everything they needed to not be in the position right now. But now they're heading to the Rover, which we saw in testing. Every time we play the highlights, we have the 12 car hitting the wall. They think, I believe they wrecked twice at the Roval, at least spun out. I just don't think there's a lot of confidence in that 12 car going into this Roval, and therefore I'm a little worried for them having this amount of pressure and being in the position they are going into such a unique race. My brother. Yeah, I so guess what? It while um, you were talking. We out. Excuse me. <laughs> He's out. Did you just give us a creepy wink as well? Parker was talking. Well, you looked at me. Slowly points to Ryan Blaney. I'm like, he was talking and he sold me wink. on Ryan Blaney. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I love Ryan Blaney and I'm a big fan, but. Um, I'm a little nervous that his the road course uh, performance has not been there, and I've seen some pictures on Twitter of a tore-up test car uh, <laughs> from the Roval. Um, I think there will be a lot more tore-up cars than just Ryan Blaney's, but uh, I'm, I just I'm not I'm not betting I on think him. They're they're in a very uh, non-advantageous position, and we that's the problem. The, we both left Alex Bowman here. Though. Well, uh, we both got a little faith in. I think you you Bowman the showman. I think that really. 
Oh no! If a 48 goes in. So we're just disagreeing on Hendrick cars. Yeah, basically. I think yeah, okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. He's going out. And I, yeah. I say this, I think Alex Bowman has done a commendable job here. And this past, we talked a little bit about his night earlier uh, in terms of how it got away from them. And he had a lot of speed compared to the spring. But knowing that this is a road course, knowing that there's only, I think he's five points up right now, that's a tough position, similar to Ryan Blaney. So I've got him going out. All right. I'm so torn. I don't know whose side. Well, you to know take. what? Or he's back in, and I'm just gonna knock Clint out. Yeah, that's <laughs> there you go. There you okay, go. <laughs> sorry, Clint. Fair enough. Um, listen, you mentioned the roval and the damage, and the fact the crew chiefs probably are not getting a wink of sleep this no. entire week. It is one of the most anticipated weekends on the current NASCAR schedule, and it is going down in just a couple days. Charlotte Roval awaiting NASCAR's best drivers. So much on the line. So what can we expect to see? We mentioned it a couple minutes ago, but Parker and Landon really gonna get into this thing when we come back. Stay with us. treacherous part of the course is the whole course. The track has countless areas for bad things to happen. It's going to be for sure one of the highlights of, uh, of the postseason. <laughs> that really tickled you two when Kevin Harvick said that the treacherous <laughs> part of this thing was the whole thing. The whole thing, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm just, starting it's to get just the, it's <laughs> the starting point and the ending point and everything in between. Landon, you have to drive this thing this weekend. How yeah. are you preparing for this? What's going through your mind? Uh, well, I'm trying to get as much footage as I can to see the racetrack. I'll be out there on Thursday for the Xfinity test, just kind of moseying around, seeing what kind of pace car I can get in. Maybe I could sneak in someone's Xfinity car and make a few laps, but <laughs> so I'm getting nervous. Is, Look so at that. Here it is. I, yeah, you, you have 17 turns to remember. You 17? How did we come up with 17? Oh, we wow. got 17 in there. Okay. They're actually written on the walls, too, just in case you forget as you're going around. <laughs> hey, but pretty in cool. all seriousness, you know how a downhill skier, like, I don't know if you've ever watched the Winter Olympics or something, you'll see Michaela Schifrin kind of run through the turns. Do you do anything like that to try to commit, like, a new course to memory? I mean, are you going to visualize any part of this, or do you not need to go that deep with it? Uh, no, it definitely helps. I mean, uh, for me, it'll be something where maybe I have to Pay attention right now, by the way. <laughs> that seems like an important part because we've seen a couple of wrecks there. I'm going to probably get through the first practice session and figure out where the low-hanging fruit is for speed and just focus on their, those areas. I, I don't think, you know, really picking apart each and every corner. Some corners are going to come more naturally than others, I guess. So uh, I'm probably just going to find out where the low-hanging fruit is and the easy place for me to get speed. I'm sad about one thing, that I'm not driving yeah, in this race this, yeah. this, this uh, weekend because this is going to be awesome. I just think, look at this. As we ride along, we have Chris Buescher here from the test. I mean, elevation change. Now you're going to take this hard left up onto the banking and start ripping through the gears up to, I believe, 180 miles an hour as they're going to head towards this fast chicane, which this is probably the most insane part of this racetrack is as he gets down here on the backstretch. It's going to be hard not calling up. this turn, too. But well, this chicane right here, so this, I've heard, is a fourth gear chicane. He might have just grabbed third right there. This yep. is Chris Buescher's dash, by the way. Yep. And so now, I mean, that was 130, 140 miles an hour probably yeah. through there. That's it's insane. Speed, I mean, imagine being side by side on a restart going through there. And then this, you've got this other chicane here uh, right before the start finish line. This Talk is about wheel hop. Yeah, this. Oh, you think yeah, you get wheel hop into turn one at Watkins Glen? Try coming off the banking that's here at be Charlotte. That's going downhill breaking zone. <laughs> yes. yep. we, did get a, we did get a question from a fan, um, a fan named Thomas. He said, how many cars do you think are going to survive lap one and finish the race? Oh, yeah. the over-under on that? Yeah. What you got? Ooh. Man, uh, I mean, I think you'll see your typical 
15 cars, you know, that are that are clean race cars. I think the interesting over-under is how many cars make it to the race without having to go, go to a backup. Yeah, that would be a good one, That's too. Good I, think, yeah, I, I would bet take, four cars. I was going to say five. Four to five. Wow. Four to five cars. So four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Over-under four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Can you, you, taking the you over do a half? That's the next poll question <laughs> coming tomorrow, <laughs> apparently. Do a half star? I don't know. <laughs> hey, um, we're going to have a corner-by-corner -corner breakdown yes. that's even a little bit more in-depth than what we just showed you. We have some really cool stuff. We've got these two on set. Preparing for the race. That's how I'm going to prepare He's for the race. He's literally on this show just for this reason. Preparing for the race. I was going to say, basically doing his homework with us. That was the first time he's seen an onboard yeah. yet. So. And also, <laughs> um, we should also mention, too, that tomorrow in NASCAR America, Marty Snyder is actually going to be at the Roval, so he's going to be offering reports over the entire hour. So if you want to know everything about the track and what to expect, make sure you're with us uh, right here, 5 p.m., same time, same place for that. If you have questions for Landon and Parker, you can still use the hashtag NASCAR America for just a couple more minutes to get your questions answered. Um, also, our poll question is coming to a close. Which bottom four playoff driver is going to make the round of 12? Get your final votes in right now. NBCSports.com slash NASCAR vote. Final results on that one next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. On Sunday night, AFC North rivals clash in the Steel City. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers facing off against the Baltimore Ravens. Football night in America getting things started at 7.30 uh, Eastern. 7 Eastern, excuse me. Kickoff at 8.20 Sunday night only on NBC. Okay, so we are through two weeks of the NASCAR Fantasy Live playoffs. And here is where NASCAR and NBC stacks up. Wait a minute. <laughs> You guys purposely cut off the graphic because I'm in fifth. Tied for fifth, apparently, with Dale Earnhardt Jr., whoever that guy is. Oh, what? No, wait a second. I have never made it on the leaderboard, and now you made me just a side note. That's that is you. unfair. That's to rub it in. Very, yeah. That's mean. That's you at the very bottom in the yellow letters. Do you see for it? For once, I'm in the top five. You've never been in the top five before. It is questionable. People in the control room must not like you very much. Because normally this is, this is a five-person graphic. Shout out to it's Marty Snyder. Obvious. 37th overall. Yeah. Almost high enough to have a Oh, card. no. Marty's, al <laughs> Marty's, always, Marty's always in the mix. Kyle that Petty as well. That was an underrated joke. This is, this <laughs> is, uh, yeah. This is strange to have you and Kyle uh, making such an yeah, impact. Yeah, I know. This is unusual. Obviously, we're better in the playoffs, just like Jimmy Johnson. Then we are on the regular oh, season. Oh, boy, we're not going back okay. down that rabbit hole. Our poll question, which driver will advance to the second round? Uh, hmm. Let's see what we got. Let's finalize um, it. Looks like uh, they listened Boyer. to me on the Jimmy Johnson piece. America's wrong is what we learned there. So you're all wrong. Jimmy Johnson will make it. Uh, thank you very much is what we've learned. Huh. <laughs> you were more what convincing, you, apparently. What do you think about this, Landon? I mean, that was kind of my initial thought, was that Clint Boyer was going to be able we to make it We didn't talk enough about Clint Boyer. Yeah. I mean, uh, Parker... Uh, you kind of had a vote for Clint Boyer, or you had a vote against Clint Boyer. I, yeah, right, I kind of yeah. had Clint there. Yeah, we were a little iffy on him. I think he's he could go either way, but he's got some momentum against him. So I think that's the question for him: is is what what do we get out of Clint at this Roval? Do we do we get the consummate professional, very focused on trying to nail just the amount of points? He can. Do, he, he is a, a great road racer. He's a great road racer. Or if things start to go even slightly wrong or become very hectic. Do they crater under the pressure? That's what I wanted out of the 14 cars. All right. Uh, we asked you to send us your questions using the hashtag NASCAR America, and we did get a bunch from the fans. So let's go through a couple of them now and answer them while we have a couple minutes here sure. on the show. Gator Mike up first. Hey, y'all. So we can pull this up like that. Y'all. Hey, if the Roval race next weekend at Charlotte turns out to be some good racing, do you think other tracks that have two dates might consider doing the same? I hope so. 
Yeah. I think th this is such an awesome thing. You know, kudos to Marcus Smith and everyone at SMI for being so innovative, thinking outside the box, trying to do something a little different. I don't think, uh, as I've said to a lot of people, it can be any worse than what we saw at, at, at October races in Charlotte. They were normally on the bottom line fast, not a lot of movement around. So I think that this is something that if it's definitely successful, it should be noted. And, and for some of these tracks that already have these sort of built in, these robles, I think it's a great cool idea. Cool designs, too. I saw kind of a cool Pocono design that takes up uh, pretty much turn one and two and then goes through the infield. So it's some, cool. some It'd creativity. It's going to be a situation where Roval's probably going to be a huge success, right? Because it's going to be exciting. It was met, I don't want to say with mixed reviews, but people, I felt like when the announcement was first made, some people were like, what is this? What is this going to be? I mean, if it is a huge success, could this be the formula moving forward? Like, let's take some risks. Let's try new things. I think so. And I think the other side that's going to really surprise people is being able to sit and watch road course racing from see a single seat and see the whole track. Yep. That yeah, is going to be cool. something I don't think many people have thought of that is going to be so surprisingly cool that I wonder if this will not take off further into oh, the other it's races. It's going to be a good fan experience. And as you were saying that, it made me realize that it's not going to be quite as loud either. So, so what does Denny do? That's Ooh. what we got to figure out here. I mean, what does From Denny Dave. do? He's he's got to be aggressive. He has to win, but I mean, he can't wreck if he doesn't. If he has a fifth place or tenth place car, he can't drive over his head. He needs to hope for some attrition. I so think. So what's the, agreed. what is the strategy there? Then you just have to pick and choose your spots. Or, I mean, it's a great question. Yeah, I mean, you have to. You just kind of have to know what you're capable of and and keep the radiator in it really. And and it's going to come down to a, a final restart for Denny and see if he can find a hole or. or I make think it depends strategy. what kind of speed he shows up with. Out of practice. I know. I can imagine that Wheeler is is really thinking about all the scenarios this week of strategy because we have no idea what kind of strategy you can play out at this Definitely. track. Record for cautions. Craig over here, record for cautions. Uh, what do we think? Yes. Yes. Because it's a new race. <laughs> so it's, it will definitely be a record no matter if there's one or none. <laughs> that's ridiculous. We got a couple uh, more here. Uh, text them about this earlier. We'll see. And that's about his, <laughs> I think at the end of the uh, interview yeah. there where he offered yeah. me a ride. I like this tweet right here. This one, this is underappreciated. Uh, Dale Jr. is ahead of me in point standings after one race. Does that mean I don't get to go to the banquet? That's my I, question. I think Xfinity. that's very apparent. And to be honest, yes, I think you should be feeling the pressure right now. So, so. I need to run some more um, Xfinity races this year so that I can get enough points and maybe they'll invite me to he the banquet. He just offered me a ride basically for next year. So maybe if you just go interview him at one of these races after the, if he that's runs a again, good way to get you, a just, ride. you apparently just get a, an offer. Somewhere there. Okay. Uh, I do want to remind everybody at home, while we have just a couple seconds left on the show, that if you are interested in the Roval, and of course it's got huge playoff implications this weekend, tomorrow is a jam-packed show. Two drivers, one of which who is absolutely going to have to fight it over the weekend. <laughs> how I'm preparing you, for this race. You guys race. are taking us... For yes. virtually through the entire thing on tomorrow's so show. So tomorrow, yeah, we're going to have some great footage that's going to be filmed tomorrow, so it's going to be real-time footage of what's ha what the track looks like right at this time. I'm going to take you corner by corner, describe what you're what you're going to be looking for, how you're preparing for each corner, yeah. what we're we think some of the... Breaking zones, shift yes. points, passing zones. Exactly. It's going to be really cool. We're going to get very technical with it, so it should be a lot of fun. Okay, and Marty Snyder will be at the Roval as well, so we'll have full reports from him as we get ready for a huge weekend in the playoffs. It is going to impact the playoff picture that's for sure. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place, 5 p.m. Eastern, right here on NASCAR America for everything you need to know heading into the weekend at the Roval. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. 
Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.